Cool. This morning, we are going to be beginning in the book of Joshua. So Joshua 1, verse 1, but I'm just going to give you a kind of um, a, an introduction into the book of Joshua, and then we'll jump in. It's not going to be very heavy or anything like that. It's just we're just going to look at certain things that we've covered because you, you guys and I have been running through the Old Testament. We are done with the books of Moses, and that's it. Like, we finished them. We're done, right? And um, so now we're moving into, it, it's a new phase in, in the story. Uh, but I was asked a question a long time ago. Now, you guys know I was, um, I prayed to have Jesus in my life at the age of three with my mom. I told you guys that just, you know, in these last couple of weeks. I've told you that in the past. But um, so I, I know the Bible, right? Like, I don't know everything about the Bible. You can't ask me like, you know, there's certain things that I'm just like, oh, I don't know. But most of the time when you ask me something about God's word, I'll know the story you're referring to and I'll know how it goes. And most of the time I'll know the moral of the story, right? Or things like that, right? But um, as, you, as you read these things, there was a question that was asked to me about 12 years ago. Right? So, you know, I've gave, given you the backdrop. I know, I know the Bible, right? I don't know all the Bible. I'm not saying that. I've talked to some people and like, oh, I've read the Bible. I know it. And you're like, no, you don't. Because I've read the Bible over and over again, and I still learn things all the time. The Lord's always teaching me. That's the thing when we are students of God's word and students of the Lord, right? Has anybody here ever graduated from listening to God or learning from God? If you raise your hand, you're a liar, you know? Like, we don't graduate. He continually teaches us. We're continually maturing in him. Um, but this question was asked to me, and I thought, hmm, nobody's ever asked me that question. So, uh, so it was Dr. Richard Bustrin, who half of you guys know, and he said to me, Dave, who's the main character of the Bible? And I thought, there's a couple of answers I could give you here, bro. I could tell you, every story has a different character, a different main character, right? But I knew that's not what he was looking for, right? And I said, you know, God, right? And he said, yes, God, but Jesus Christ is the main character. And I thought, you're right. You're right. But I never thought about it. I had never come to the point of thinking Jesus Christ is the main character of the whole Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And he said, Jesus says it himself in Luke 24. And I was like, right, okay. I remember Luke 24, and I remembered that's when Jesus explains the scriptures to his disciples after his resurrection, right? Just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Easter when Jesus rose again from the grave, Right? So this is, after, this is after he's been put to death. And remember, he walks down the road with them uh, at going to Emmaus with two of his disciples. And they're telling him all the events that have happened. And he begins to explain. They don't know who he is because they don't recognize him. And he begins to explain the gospels to them, um, God's word to them. And, and they're, they say to each other later on, 
Wasn't our spirit burning within us as he spoke the truth to us? Like almost like, you know, there was, there was a transaction happening. Truth was being spoken, spoken to us and we were realizing the truth of God's word, right? So there's something that Paul does, a couple of um, the writers of the New Testament do, and they show us pictures in God's word. So you know, as we were going through God's word, there were a couple of pictures I kept drawing out, right? Like Moses, he took the children out of Egypt, right? That's a picture for us, a New Testament picture for us. What did Jesus Christ do? He releases us from our bondage to sin and death, right? Because sin leads to death. So Jesus tells us, I have everlasting life for you, and, and the, it's even stated, it's for men, mankind, to taste death once, but they don't have to taste it the second time forever in hell. Jesus set us free from that, from paying that penalty. I explained that to you in a different way. Jesus paid it all, right? He paid it all for us. I just have to accept the, uh, the note that he gave me that says, you've paid it all. Oh, okay, I trust in that. I don't have to pay it myself. Okay, cool. The Lord's done that. So Moses led them out of Egypt just as God delivers us out of the bondage of sin through, through the work on the cross, right? So you guys see that picture. Do you guys understand that picture? Or am I like reaching too far for you? Yes. Are we awake this morning? Yes. Okay. I don't think they're awake. If you're on the live stream, send help. So, all right. so Moses led them out of Egypt, just as God delivers us out of the bondage to sin. Moses led them through the Red Sea. Paul tells us that it was, it was as their baptism. So it's a, it, it's a picture of baptism to us saying, hey, we're following you. We're with you, Moses, right? So Moses led them to the Red Sea. Paul uses it as a picture of baptism saying, I'm all in. We're walking and we're going into the impossible, Right? So Moses led them through the Red Sea just as we are baptized into new life in Christ. And as we walk with them through, um, I don't know if you guys have ever been there. My brothers and I call it um, the wilderness, right? You know Jesus, but man, you're thirsty. You know, life is just a wilderness. It is like a desert. You're just walking out there and you are saved and you're just, you're thirsting for more. And you're, you're going to different places to try to get something. And we'll read it out of 1 Corinthians uh, 10, verses 1 through 4. It says, I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them. And all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, right? So as we go through this, this wilderness at times, or we have a wilderness experience, it is only the Lord that can feed us, right? So he gives us himself like manna, like heavenly bread. Jesus Christ said himself, I am the bread of life. I'm the one that feeds your soul. So if you're feeling dry, you're feeling empty, only Jesus can feed you, right? And then you thirst, and we're told something about thirst. It says, all of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them, them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank 
from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. That rock was Christ. So for us, he quenches our thirst. We're told that the word of God quenches our thirst. We're also told in the book of John that the word was with God, the word was God, and the word became flesh. His name's Jesus Christ. And he keeps us in this place. But then there's this, this other thing. There's this other thing that I didn't realize until I was in my 20s. And I was walking in this wilderness constantly. I was born in a wilderness, spiritually speaking. I was born in a wilderness. And I learned how to fish for myself. I learned how to, through instruction of those around me, on how to seek the Lord myself. But there was always this inkling that there was, there's got to be more than this. There's got to be more than just survival. There's got to be more than just wandering around in this wilderness. Because when you wander around in the wilderness, you get sick and tired. Right? There's, a, there's a breaking point. And the Israelites had that breaking point after 40 years. They had this breaking point where they said, something's got to happen. We got to go somewhere. And at the end of the day, it was just being obedient to step into new life. Where their parents had been disobedient 40 years before. And when the Lord said, I have new life for you. Come be baptized in this new life and walk with me. They said, no, no, no. I'm too scared. I'm too scared. And, and a lot of us come to that point. I was saying to somebody a few weeks ago, you find in the, in the Christian life, there are Christians just camping out on this cliff, right? Not willing to go further into the unknown. Because we say, you know what? <laughs> That's a cliff, man. And the Lord's like, come follow me. And it's like, all right. Maybe when I get my confidence up, I'll follow you. I'll trust you for everything you got. But for now, I'm good here. You know what I call that, Cliff? Learning to die to yourself. Not a ha it's not a, it doesn't sound like a happy place. But it's a place where you learn true obedience. Where you learn new life. Where you learn the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Where you say, it's not me. It's you, Lord. It's all you. It's all you. You know, that, that, that campground that you find lots of Christians. We're all saved, right? And you walk through and you're like, why is nobody on this campground got joy? What's going on? And then you keep walking into the unknown and they're like, whew, that guy is crazy. He just went following Jesus all the way out there, man. And that is where the, that, that's where we catch up with the Israelites. At the edge of the wilderness. In the ready to step into the unknown, into the spirit-filled life. And we have that choice. You know, some people would call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it happens when we are saved, right? Sometimes it happens when we are physically baptized. It didn't happen like that for me. It happened when I got to the end of myself and I was tired of the desert. And I was around 22 years old. 
And I said, there's got to be more to this life, Lord. And he said, there is, and I will fill you, and I will come upon you, and I will lead you. Just be willing to surrender to me. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about a full surrender, where you just say, that happened to me at 22. So I've been at this full surrender, and it, and it happens every morning, <laughs> every day, this full surrender for 20 years. 20 years. Now I'll tell you what, if I wasn't in that full surrender back then, you wouldn't know me today. I wouldn't be standing here today. Because I would have made my own decisions. I would have gone my own path. And I know what you're thinking. Who's going to take care of me if I don't take care of me? Who's going to take care of me, right? God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. And he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from where he will come to judge the living and the dead. That's who's going to take care of you. And if you think about it, I think he's just got a little bit more power than you do. You know, so you could trust you or you could trust the maker of you. And that day, probably around when I was 22, I remember the decision. I don't remember the day exactly like on the calendar, but I remember the decision I made. And guess what? He started ordering my steps. I said to him, listen, I'm done. I need you. I need all of you. Come. You got me. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. And I've told you before, I was scared of this step. I was scared of it. Because I kept saying to myself, I don't want to end up in some corner of some third world nation picking up trash. <laughs> that's not me, Jesus. <laughs> that's not me. And that's what I played in my mind all the time, through university, everything, man. And I would say, listen, Lord, I got a plan. I know my life. You're God Almighty. And just help me out with my plan. I want to honor you in my plan. There's nothing wrong with that, Lord. Right? And the Lord's like, you have it backwards. You have it backwards, Dave. I've got a plan, Dave. I will tell you which way to go, and you won't go wrong because I know everything. And that's why I'm amazed at times when I stand here and I look around and I say, what am I doing here? Right? I didn't plan this. It wasn't my, you know, 10-year plan to come to England to be in the basement of an old building in Birmingham where most of my American friends don't even know exists. I'm sorry, but in the mind of an American, the only place that exists in England is London. That's it. I go home and they say, oh cool, how's London? I don't know, I haven't been there for years. <laughs> you know, and they're like shocked, what? Or I'll answer, they'll say, how's London? What part of London do you live in? I'll say, the part of London that's called Birmingham that's not in London. <laughs> and it's a laugh for me, but they have no idea what I'm talking about, right? Just like, yo, in Europe, there's Paris, right? 
That's an American's geography. They know more about South America than they, they, they know about Europe, all right? We know about our side of the world, you know? South America, that's where you get drugs. That's what they know. <laughs> I'm only kidding. You get coffee beans there too. <laughs> but you know what I mean? That's, that's the world's population. We like to hammer on one, we like to hammer on the Americans because they don't know geography, but you walk around England, they don't know geography either. <laughs> Just like, you've been watching YouTube, huh? Okay, good job. <laughs> you know, you come to this place where you just dry. So then we see that, you know, as they walked and they were thirsty in the wilderness, they were fed through heavenly bread and they were fed through miraculous water that came from a rock, pictures of Jesus Christ for us. So Christ feeds us and he quenches our thirst. And as we seek the life that Jesus Christ told us about in John 10, he said, I did not come to judge the world I came to give them life, right? And then he talks about giving them life more abundantly. Yes, I am the gate, he says. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will, will be saved. They will come and go freely, come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That's what I was asking. Where's my rich and satisfying life? And some, you know, a lot of times we think rich like material possessions. Hey, God's got nothing wrong with material possessions as long as they don't own you. You can own them, they just can't own you, right? You guys might think, oh, what do you mean by that? Listen, money, I've said this before, money is a great servant. Go do my bidding, but it's a horrible master. It will bend you and break you. That's why the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Because when you love money, you will do anything to go get it. Anything. But when you love the Lord, he's okay with you getting some money, right? I'm not talking like, uh, like rappers. Yeah, God first, get money. No, I'm not talking about that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about loving the Lord, and he will supply your needs. It says, seek first his kingdom, and all of these things will be added unto you. And then he specifies what you need, right? We need clothing, right? You know, Gracie asked me this morning, Daddy, you going to wear that same thing you always wear on Sunday? I think you've been watching the, the live stream on re repeat, my lovely. <laughs> but she meant jeans and a shirt. And I said, girl, <laughs> daddy ain't got no dresses. And if he did, he'd burn them. <laughs> so I don't get down like that. Right? <laughs> you know, and, and I thought to myself, as I'm looking in my closet, my little girl's voice is playing in my head. And I'm like, do I have anything else to wear? <laughs> Meanwhile, I have like, 55 shirts all the way across. And I'm thinking, she meant the shirt. like. But then when I went downstairs, she was like, oh, that's nice. And I was like, yeah, I know. I, I wear. And she's like, no, you always wear that red check one. <laughs> I'm like, I don't wear that red check one every week. And she says, yes, you do. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I'm going to fight with a six-year-old. <laughs> 
I'm like, it's cool. <laughs> you know, maybe she just remembers me in the red check shirt all the time. All right. But anyway, all that to say, I have everything I need, right? The Lord has given me these things. He actually, you know, just supplies me with what I need. Not because I'm lazy and I sit back and relax. No, he wants me to be industrious. He wants us to work hard. He wants us to work hard in what he's put placed before us. He wants us to do that. He says, work not as unto man, but work as unto the Lord, which gives me a higher target to hit. I don't just sit there and work because, man, I hate this boss, man. Or, you know, like I work, I, I work my job that gets me paid with my older brother, Juan. So then, like, I could sit there and say, man, Juan's really bothered me today. I'm not going to work as hard. Or I could say, hey, Lord, I'm working for you. Like, every time I do this work, it represents you, Lord. So I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try to have a good attitude out here, you know. I'm going to try to be a blessing to my brother, even though I'm mad at him. I'm not mad at Juan. That's not why he's not here. All right. <laughs> yeah. You can't come to church today, Juan. <laughs> it's not like that. So <laughs> But it doesn't matter. Those those smaller things don't matter, right? When I'm working unto the Lord, when I'm doing things for him, all these little things don't matter. I'll try to have a good attitude. I'll try to be kind. I'll try to be gentle. I'll try to, you know, make my brother laugh by whatever way I can. <laughs> I'll try to do these things. I'll try to be kind to the other people on site. And, and you know what? My brother will do the same. And it makes an atmosphere that I love to be in, right? But that's not just for work. It's at home too, right? I try to honor my wife. I try to honor my children. I try to love them. I'm not saying that it's perfect, but I'm saying that we do these things unto the Lord. We live our lives even at home unto the Lord, and he begins to change us. But that can only come after I step in and out of that wilderness and into that Jordan River where I have to trust him. We have to step into that Jordan River and say, Lord, I need you. Baptize me. Fill me up. Come upon me. Empower me. I'm moving forward. I'm believing you. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. And you don't just take off on your own. You know what I mean? I'm empowered, and you just run off. No. <laughs> I'm empowered, and you follow Jesus. So he helps you to get up. My wife knows I'm not a morning person, right? It's like, like when you wake me up, it's like waking the dead. <laughs> Dave, you have to get up for church. Nah, someone else can do it. <laughs> Dave, you got to get up. Okay. And she knows I walk around for like 10 minutes with my eyes closed, <laughs> tripping over things. And it's like noon. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm not a morning person. She realized that like when we got married. Wow, Dave does not perform well in the morning. <laughs> yeah. She knows I'm a morning person, but more like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? When I've been awake all day and all of a sudden I come alive. <laughs> so, but man, the Lord has to help us, right? He helps, has to help me get up in the morning. He has to help me and I have to make that decision. You know what? 
I'm not going to be all like, you know, my dad, he was like perpetual angry man in the morning, right? The moment, anytime you woke him up, he was angry, right? Because you snapped him out of his dream. I know I have that same ability to do that, right? You can wake me up. It's easy to have a bad attitude when you're tired. Come on. New parents, come on. <laughs> it's easy to have an attitude towards somebody when you're tired. But it's making that decision, I'm not going to have an attitude. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to be obedient to you, Lord. I need you to fill me. I need you to, let's do this. Let's do this your way. Right? So we want that life more abundantly. So we grow weary of the wilderness and we know there's more. So we cross the Jordan to be baptized and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, like I said, this could happen. You know, we know we get the Holy Spirit in us at salvation. But some of us don't rely on that. We're just like, yeah, it's good. It's there. It's like for a while I had, uh, I had Bitcoin, right? And there were times I was broke. But when I looked at my Bitcoin, I was rich, right? <laughs> but I didn't use that Bitcoin. It was, it was always in the digital wallet, right? <laughs> So Claire's like, yo, we need milk. I'm like, I ain't got no money, baby. <laughs> but I'm rich. <laughs> and it's almost like that. Like when you have money, but it's, it's locked away and you haven't opened it up to use. In some senses, it's useless in your everyday life. It's good on your confidence and it's good on your app. But it's useless when you go to the shop. Right? You need access. That's how it is with us in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he's just sitting in there. We know he's there. Yeah, yeah, God, you gave me the Holy Spirit. That's good. I'll sing some songs. Ha, ha, ha. You know, whatever you do. Until you unlock it and you say, you know what, Holy Spirit? I need you, man. I need you. I don't even know how this works. I need you. <laughs> you know? It's not like you go and you say some weird words or whatever. It's not magic. It is the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. And waiting for you to say, all right, I'm ready to use the tool set that the Lord has given me. I'm ready for you, Lord, to bathe me. And I'm doing it through obedience and walking into the spirit-filled life. You lead me. I will not operate on my fears anymore. I will not operate on anything else that dictates to me. I will operate with what you tell me to do. That's how I'm going to operate. You know, because I, I know you guys may not notice this, but I'm a feelings-oriented person, right? If I feel like punching somebody in the face, I need Jesus to tell me that's not a good idea, Dave. Right? But I feel it. I feel it. I told you guys before, you know, every once in a while, Claire has seen this in me, and I have this impulse, right? And the impulse lives in my daughters. The moment you're frustrated, man, something's getting thrown, right? <laughs> or something is breaking. And after the matter, you realize, why did I break that? I'm such an idiot because I was led by emotion, right? And I'll, I'll tell you this. A, a few years back, it's right before church. I'm putting on one of my samey, samey shirts. <laughs> and... There's something wrong with the buttons, and it's not going on right. And this was before we had built the extension on my house. We had this back utility room, 
and Claire had just ironed the shirt or something for me. She handed it to me, and I, I was putting on the shirt, and something bothered me, and she saw my face change, and she saw me grab my shirt like this, and she said, don't rip your shirt. And I said, okay. <laughs> and, 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 you know, like the Lord used my wife to speak sense to me. He spoke through her to say, calm yourself down, Dave. I was about to leave for church, right? About to teach you guys about how to rip a shirt in the morning, right? <laughs> like, what else do I have? About, and the Lord said, calm down through my wife. And I realized the silliness of it. And my mind went back to something that my father did when we were driving one time. <laughs> and one time we were driving, right? And we're driving, we had just moved out of New York City and we moved into Pennsylvania and it was very different, right? In New York City, your neighbors don't know who you are. You don't know who that, I mean, you know your neighbors, right? But they don't know your business. This isn't small town, right? They don't know your business. You move to small town America, man, everybody knows who your grandmother is and where she lives. And they know your social security number. And that, you know, they know everything about you. I'm just joking around about your social security, but they know everything about you and what they don't know, they'll make up, <laughs> right? So we were these New York City kids that had just moved in. And the common question we had is, you got guns? I'm like, yo, listen, guns are illegal in New York City, all right? So no, I don't have guns. I got knives. <laughs> I'm only playing. But, you know, this is what was surrounding us all the time. And we moved there, and we're driving down the street where everybody knows us. And my, I see my dad. I mean, he's been wearing his shirt all day. My mother would do his laundry, and he goes like this. He goes, my shirt stinks. I'm sitting in the back seat, and I'm ready for the theatrics to unfold. And then all of a sudden he goes, didn't you do the laundry right? <laughs> My shirt stinks. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, he takes his polo, right? Like his, his crew neck shirt, right? Rips it off his body. <laughs> like he's in WWE. <laughs> like he's ready to, ready to rumble, right? And whoosh, rips it off his body, throws it out the window in front of everybody we know. Hi. <laughs> And I just could not hold back. I started laughing. <laughs> so now we got a Spanish shirtless man driving a car down the street. Everybody knows. And his shirt is now in the middle of the street. <laughs> and he looks at me in the rear and goes, what are you laughing at? I said, you just ripped your shirt off. <laughs> and you're bare chested <laughs> driving down the road. And everybody knows us. And I cannot hold back. And then he starts laughing. Because he realized how crazy his emotion had taken him for a split second. So if you're that type of person, the Holy Spirit can help you, all right? Those are, those are my people, those are my people, right? And, and then I have Spanish blood flowing through me and I've told you before, there are two modes for a Spanish person. Either everything's good or somebody's gotta die, right? <laughs> Those are our two emotions. It's all good, we happy, we having parties, right? It's all good, it's all good. Something happens, boom, somebody's gotta die. <laughs> and those are the two modes you operate in. But the Lord helps you to get past those modes to, I forgive that person, but I still hope they almost die. 
No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> Everybody's like, whoa. <laughs> the Lord helps us. He walks with us. And, you know, um, like I said before, that spirit-filled life, and n we don't know what lays before us and knowing that it can't be done without the Lord, without Jesus Christ. So Joshua is that picture of Jesus Christ leading us into the spirit-filled life, the unknown that we don't know about, that people try to explain to you. Like, yeah, I mean, I was reading his word, the Lord was speaking to me, you know, and you're like, uh-huh, huh? That's crazy, you know? That spirit-filled life. The other thing that I wanted to point out really quick is that Joshua was not a normal person. Joshua was a servant. Now, you might say, well, a servant's a normal person. Uh, a servant operates differently, all right? So Joshua was a servant. He fought war, and he led Israel into war when Moses told him to, right? He accompanied Moses wherever he went. He just walked with Moses. And everybody knew, you see Moses, you see Joshua. That's how it is, right? Moses was discipling Joshua. That's what he was doing. And there's something funny that you may not uh, know about, but Joshua wasn't his given name. You guys are like, what? Where did you read that? Okay. In the book of um, Numbers 13, we read something. Numbers 13, verse 8, and we'll read here. Look at the tribe of Ephraim and the spy that goes in. All right, so if it comes up on the screen real quick. It says, for Ephraim, it was Hoshea, son of Nun, which we would know him as Joshua, son of Nun, right? Hoshea means salvation. That's what it means in, in ancient Hebrew. It means salvation, right? Hoshea, son of Nun, Numbers 13, 8. Look at Numbers 13, verse 16, and it tells us what happened. These are the names of the men Moses sent out to explore the land. Moses called Hoshea, son of Nun, by the name of Joshua. What does Joshua mean? Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. So Moses called him a more specific name. Moses called him the truth. He didn't just say, hey, salvation just doesn't come from anywhere, right? Salvation only comes from the Lord. The Lord is salvation. And Joshua is that translation of what we call in the New Testament, Jesus. Jesus' name means Jehovah is salvation. The God of all gods, the God, God Almighty is salvation. So Moses, for some reason, calls him by a new name. Right? a new name of truth. Joshua is that lesser than or that picture of Jesus Christ for us. What did Jesus do? He showed us that only God, only through God and his work is salvation. So just like Jesus, Joshua was the only one that could take them through into the promised land into this place of the unknown. After, after the death of Moses, there's this verse one, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, 
Moses' assistant. The other words for assistant there can be translated minister or servant, right? This is Moses' minister or servant, the guy that does, you know, serves him, does his bidding, asks him or helps him to do the jobs that he has to do. So, you know, there were a couple more things that Joshua did. So Joshua uh, stayed outside the tent when Moses went out to talk to the Lord, all right? So when Moses went into the tent of meeting where he would see the Lord face to face, you guys remember when the Lord said to uh, Miriam, Miriam and um, to Aaron, hey, there's no one like Moses. I talked to him face to face. And, and like Pastor Juan pointed out, the only way he could have talked to someone face to face is if it was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Because nobody sees God the Father's face. He says it. Nobody sees his face and lives. And it's not because he's like some mafia boss. You know, they saw my face, get rid of him. It's not like that. It's because he is so pure that we can't even see it. I mean, when the Lord told Moses, said, I want to see your glory, he says, Moses, I'm going to pass in front of you. You can't see my glory, but you can see my afterglow, okay? Because as we read through scripture, we realize that we actually are not able to take God's glory because we are sinful. So some have said that if you actually saw God's glory, you would die because you, your human body couldn't take it. I'm like, okay, I'll take your word for it. He defended Moses. He was a spy for Moses, as we just read, to go into the promised land. And he was one of two spies that stood with Moses when Moses said, we got to go into the promised land. And everybody rejected it 40 years before this incident. And they said no. And Joshua said, guys, the Lord, if he's pleased with us, he will take us into victory, into the promised land. And they said, shut up. We're going to stone you to death. And he didn't back down. And they didn't stone him to death. So Joshua is standing there and Moses has died on the mountain as we read a couple of weeks ago. And the Lord says to Joshua, he says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. Joshua, you're the one. That's what he tells him. It's a picture of the law that is likened to Moses not being able to take you into salvation. There has to be more. There has to be the one that says, come on. Let's go. We're going in. Into not just salvation. Jesus Christ gives us salvation. But into a spirit-filled, spirit-led life. Guys, some of you guys camp out on that cliff. And I know some of you guys might be like, well, that's kind of mean, Pastor Dave. And I pass by you all the time on that cliff. And you're not willing to die to yourselves. And I walk by and I say, you would have life more abundantly 
if you just obeyed and followed him and asked him to fill you and empower you to go. Because I'll tell you what, this Christian life isn't doable. It may seem easy on the outside, but I know some of you guys have been trying it. And it's hard. It's really easy in a picture, but it's really hard in life, right? Because there's a lot of decisions, a lot of people talking to you, a lot of people telling you what to do. I mean, we got the we got news coming in on our phones all the time, telling, oh no, the world's falling apart. Oh no, oh, ah! And we just have to follow the Lord, right? I mean, we hear the conspiracy theories, and we see some of them come true. And we're all like, oh, no. And you know what the Lord constantly says? I'm still king. I haven't left my throne. I told you that these things would happen. I told you that there were people working in the background. I've seen them. I know them, and they will answer to me. Right? And then we're like, oh, no, but what if... Like as if it's a comic book series. What if? And the Lord's like, what if you just trust me, help me to empower you, and follow me into what you can't do alone? Right? And I'll tell you what, man. I, you know, I, um, the Lord helps me every day. And I'm not perfect. I'm not. I'm far from it. But the Lord is perfect. And he instructs us in the way we should go. So Joshua is this servant, right? I love Joshua. I love that. I love Timothy in the Bible. I love that. Why? Because that's what the Lord has taught me on his own through his word, right? He says, why don't you serve everybody? Mm. You know? And I remember when I came here, in 2010, and I started working with Rich, or formerly known, or, you know, uh, formerly known as Richard Bustrin. Now he's Dr. Richard Bustrin, PhD, right? <laughs> and, and the Lord told me, just, just serve him. Just serve him. And when my heart would start to get out of line, and I'd be like, man, we got to do it this way. And, and, and the Lord would say, what are you supposed to be doing? Serving, Lord. So get to serving. We don't ever hear of Joshua saying, hey, Moses, I don't think we're doing it right. And I'm not talking about being a yes man. I'm talking about learning to be a good servant. It's not about not making suggestions. But it's learning this is the way the Lord wants us to go, and he's leading, so I'm going, right? And there is, there's a certain reason why he called Joshua and why the Lord loves a servant, right? It's not so that we don't question the person in charge. It's so that we learn to be obedient to the one who's really in charge. Some people ask me this question, Dave, how is your church doing? And I correct them and I say, I don't have a church. It's Jesus's church. I'm just the guy watching his throne. That's all I am. I don't sit on a throne. 
And that's why I need to seek him. Jesus leads the church. It's not my church. One day I will not be here. It's not my church, but Jesus will never leave. Right? And I'm not telling you that because I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm telling you that because I'm leaving next week. (laughs) So just like Joshua, Jesus ushers us into life in the spirit. He leads us victoriously, victoriously overcoming death, sin, the system of this world, and the devil. And into the promised land. So a lot of times we're okay living in the desert on that cliff, just eating little berries, sustaining ourselves and saying, I'm good, I'm good. But one day you're going to get sick and tired of it. And you're going to say, you know what? I'm either leaving here or I'm pressing on with you, Lord. And I would suggest press on with him and ask the Lord to empower you, to fill you, to baptize you as you cross that Jordan River. Just uh, one more thing. I, I shared this the other day with somebody, and I'll, um, I'll end with this. But um, something that taught me about servanthood, uh, it's, it began to speak to me. And I've told you, I said before, you know, like sometimes when people speak to you, you hear the Lord speaking through them, right? And I remember I was about 15 years old. I was playing American football. And uh, I was part of this team. We were living in, you know, I lived in New York City at the time. And we were part of this team. And my team was called, they were called the Killer Bees, right? We had yellow jerseys. We were called the Killer Bees. And, um, and it used to be Juan's old team, but he was older, so he had moved up in, in leagues. And I was on Juan's old team. I had his old coach, Coach Will, right? I wasn't liking it too much, right? I had just come off my old team where I was the running back. They gave me the ball, right? They knew what I was capable of. And I got onto this team, and I was one of the younger ones. They didn't give me the ball. And I thought, that's where you're going wrong. <laughs> you got to hand me the ball, win some games around here, right? And I was arrogant. I was 15 years old and arrogant, right? And I came back, it was like the middle of the season, I came back, they had given me a position, not even on offense. I didn't get the ball, I played defense. So I just stood out there all day as the cornerback. The cornerback is this lonely guy that sits out in the field waiting for something to happen. Or I'd have to keep up with their fastest guy going out for for a pass. So I had to break up the pass. Or I had to catch what they would call the sweep around the side. And I'd have to wait there all day. And I thought, man, you are not using my talent. You know? And I came home and Juan said, hey, man, how you liking my team? And I'm all down and I'm like, it's all right, man. And he's like, what's wrong? And he says, and I said, they don't give me the ball, man. I'm a running back. You know this, Juan. Juan looks at me straight in the eye and he says, Dave, if you can't be what the team needs you to be, the team doesn't need you. And he walked away. And I remember thinking to myself, great chat, thanks. (laughs) Good pep talk. I'm glad you're my older brother. (laughs) Wow, I feel really refreshed and ready to go. (laughs) I'm like, what a jerk. (laughs) But the Lord kept bringing that back as I started doing ministry. If you can't be what the team needs you to be, Dave, if you can't learn to lower yourself and be the servant, right? And if you guys would have known me when I was first here, I did the hoovering. 
I wasn't looking for the position. And I even said to the guy in charge, do not give me a position. I am here to help you. That's all I want. That's all I'm here for. Right? And my mind never changed. Because I was learning to be a servant. Because only as a servant can you learn to lead. Truly lead. Hey, guys, look at our world today. You see our leaders? You see our leaders? I don't, need, I don't want to call anybody by name. But do you see our leaders? Are they servants? No. No, I'm not talking for riots. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying take it as a learning experience. The only way to truly learn to lead people, God's people, is by learning to serve. By saying, whatever you want, Lord, I need you. Fill me. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for your word, Lord. And Lord, as we, um, as we learn to follow after you, Lord, Lord, I pray here right now, Lord, that there, if there are people in this room that need your, your Holy Spirit to empower them, to come upon them, Lord, and to just wash over them and to give them that filled and abundant life, Lord, that you would do it, Lord Jesus. Lord, we just ask now, right now, that your Spirit would fall upon them and baptize them, Lord, in you. Lord, even those watching on the live stream, Lord, that they would come alive in you. Not that they don't have you and that salvation isn't uh, found in you, Lord. They, they already have that. But, Lord, to live that brand new life, that life empowered by you and them able to meet the tasks ahead of them, Lord, that you would do that. And those of you that have you, Lord, that you would, that have that in their lives, Lord, that you would refresh them, that you would wash over them again, help them to step up to what they need to do to be obedient to you, to be a servant, Lord. And to let you lead Jesus into victory, into this spirit-filled life, this promised land. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.